Hello and welcome to another edition of the Guardian ID podcast. This is Zach Martin, editor of Guardian ID magazine. But before we dive in, first a word from our sponsor. Picture a unique identity. Imagine that identity turning into one unique credential. Envision using that credential to enter facilities and log on to networks and applications. Diebold's Credential One solution mitigates the complexity and risks of managing multiple identities. Think one credential, multiple uses. Think Diebold Credential One. To learn more, visit www.credentialone.com. Today we're continuing our discussion with Neville Pattinson, Vice President of Government Affairs and Business Development at Jamalta, North America. Neville also sits on Homeland Security's Data Privacy and Integrity Advisory Committee. Today, we're continuing our discussion with Neville on national ID cards and looking at different initiatives in the U.S. Traditionally, the mere mention of a national ID card in the U.S. wouldn't go anywhere. But is this changing? Report after report is being published saying that the U.S. needs some type of strong authentication mechanism for the Internet. Will this lead to some type of national ID card or strong credential in the U.S.? Neville, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I fundamentally think we're in the middle of... um a national identity crisis in in the United States. We have very poor documents um, today for using uh, in our day-to-day lives for authenticating who we are and the lengths and depths that uh, organizations have to go to try and triangulate and verify and vet who we are is really quite broken and I think um, on the basis of not having a trusted credential um, we end up with a lot of confusion and ultimately a lot of hardship on individuals as they enroll with each uh, particular uh, benefit service or whatever they're they're doing. So I I do see today that need for the U.S. citizen to be able to prove who they are, both in the real world and and online. Looking around um, what's going on in the government space right now, there's clearly an initiative around e-government, and there's... um, four levels of authentication being defined as to what is the appropriate type of authentication credential to use in each of those um, authentication levels. That is clearly going to require lots of things beyond username and password. We've got to get into hardware technology, even tokens, smart cards, biometrics, whatever, whatever the factors of authentication need to be. We need to have ways of really proving who they are for communicating to the government um, in in better ways. We see an initiative with the Obama administration um, looking at health care reform, and that is really pushing electronic medical records into the front and center of our uh, challenges of how we manage that information. For me, it's a, a missing element of that right now is how do we authenticate um, the individual who's uh, the patient concerned, how do we authenticate and verify who the employee is who's trying to access this electronic medical record? How do we really make sure that these people have the right to go in there? By using electronic credentials, we can get the patient to authorize or, first of all, authenticate themselves and then authorize others to look at their records, and they can then um, authenticate themselves with their tokens to um, show full accountability and traceability of what they've been looking at. So e-government first, health care reform. You know, we have identity theft issues um, reported daily, breaches and so on. Um, if we don't include 
higher standards of authentication for our citizens and people accessing um, financial systems, then you know, we're really going to continue to hear of the disasters that affect that industry. There's um, uh, cybersecurity closely related to that. Um, how do we prove who we are on the Internet? Um, it's very difficult. We have to either use uh, you know, our full identity or perhaps a persona. Uh, but how do we ever trust that any of that is actually correct and somebody's not spoofing that or uh, you know, counterfeiting all of our information as we uh, transact? We have to provide better authentication and better security of the communication. Lastly, the, the, the one I see with a lot of legs right now is um, with regard to employment verification, and that uh, comes back to the activities that Senator Schumer is doing within the um, Senate Judiciary Committee, looking at upgrading the Social Security card that we use today. And, and yes, it, it really does need a bit of an upgrade. It's a little piece of paper today with a printed number, and you know that really accounts for nothing. In fact, most people just communicate the number verbally rather than even ever show the document. I don't even know where my card is, in all honesty. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the whole point. You know, so uh, what, what are we doing to prove who you are um, and, and that you are who you say you are when you present that number? He, Senator Schumer's initiative is around adding biometrics to lock that registered identity that you have with your human body. You know, so you lock it with a biometric or biometrics to prove that this owns to you. So with the manifestation of an electronic credential in the form of a smart card, we can then perform um, offline biometric match on card anywhere in the country at any time. As you go for employment, you can present the card, put it into a reader, present your fingerprint. The card can authenticate. You are indeed the correct owner of this card. This card is your social security card, and it, and it was issued to you by the the government. It, it really comes down to this is a fundamental way of proving that this identity belongs to this body. You know, fundamentally, that's what we're trying to do. And that can be done you know, physically there. It can then be projected with, uh, with uh, security on the Internet as well to prove that you are at the other end of the line, um, indicating that you are the person operating that particular session. So I, I see a lot of possibilities. You know, obviously, social security cards have creeped in their use and you need to give them out to open you know, bank accounts and mobile phone companies demand them, electricity companies demand them for when you're taking your opening account. Mm -hmm. So we've got to stop potentially you know, mission creep, but seriously, I think that the linkage of the, of the social security number to a biometric with that ability to have that portable in your pocket, under your control, that you can get it out and present it and authenticate to it when you want to. I think is fundamentally a, a step in the right direction for us to allow citizens to take charge of their identities in our society today. Well, yeah, people talk about mission creep and social security numbers, but the genie is kind of already out of the bottle on that one. You know, it was only supposed to be used for access to social security benefits, but now you have to give it almost anywhere and everywhere. And that's a fundamental um, factor, the fact that there is no other credential that you can tie yourself to in American society. The, the, the best alternative would be what your driver's license, which we see that going through its you know, palpitations of real ID, and now parcel ID bill is coming through to change that again. Um, or maybe your passport. You know, not all Americans hold passports by any means. 
So Social Security is literally the only way you've got of identifying somebody, and with all of the weaknesses of that, it opens up all the vulnerabilities and all of the, the frauds that we see today. You know, it may have mission creep, but it's also now fundamentally needs tying up and, and locking down. Exactly. Is there going to be one tipping point? Is there, what's going to be the impetus for the U.S. to do something? Do you think there, there is going to be one thing or is it going to be a combination of factors? Well, I think in the maturity of thinking as far as you know, where, where you get to, I think the Europeans and the Middle East countries, you know, they have different regimes, different privacy rights, on, they've gone fairly much head into let's have a credential for all of our citizens fairly quickly and, and, that, and that has then proliferated. I think we're going to be in a different situation in the United States. There is a lot more um, openness and willingness to understand privacy and the rights of anonymity for U.S. citizens. And I think we've got to step back and really look at where all of those need to be balanced. And it's clearly... You know, having one trusted credential would be, I think, fundamentally good for our society. If you could then use that to spawn other personas that you use in the Internet or email accounts or whatever they are, online um, facilities, then you've got an ability to still have you know, some anonymity, but it's trusted and rooted back to a, a known credential. Where, where will the first program come from? Perhaps it is this... Uh, employment verification drug immigration under Senator Schumer. Or it could be through health care in having to protect and respect the privacy of electronic medical records. could come from there. Will there be something for cybersecurity so that we can identify citizens online? There are different options all beginning to brew in their fundamental key message, which is identity and authentication are key to every one of those programs. So if you had um, an umbrella program that scooped them all up and provided one credential, that would be probably the most efficient, but probably the most difficult and the most timely to put in place. I suspect what we'll see is one or two or more of these programs standing up identification programs, identification management um, silos that, that hold these set of collection of identities within that silo, not to be interoperable with other missions, so that we then have a citizen with a health care card, um, the social security card, perhaps something that can then uh, be used for cyber security for Internet and help, therefore, the financial area as well. So it could be that there ends up with multiple identity programs. If they're all rooted from government credentialing, I think that would help the process of enrollment and the, the, the pain of having to go through two or three times each enrollment, I think that would be beneficial to the citizen and a lot cheaper. But I'm not sure we're going to be there. I think we're going to find initially that you know, due to the complexities, the privacy, the, the um, public sentiment over that type of thing, it may be better to keep the identities confined in those cards within one or particular two of the missions rather than try and get an umbrella that works over them all. Okay. Great. Well, Neville, is there anything else you want to add about uh, some of the different programs that are going on out there or, or, what's go or anything else in the U.S.? I think we've got some very good track records. Um, in the United States, we have still to really embrace smart cards fully. They still do exist in the, the uh, telecommunications area. Every 
GSM-based mobile has a SIM card today, and that has you know, been going for some 30 years, protecting every mobile communication um, uh, call and, and SMS worldwide. So that, that's proven the smart card technology. It's got a great foundation. We're seeing um, electronic passports now pervade around the world. America has been leading that in volume and in uh, uh, the time they've been doing it. So we've seen a very good gold standard of new travel credential come to, to bear using electronic technology, certainly rooted off secure smart card contactless technology. You know, we have areas that really are open for change. One of those, as we described, uh, all these issues of cybersecurity and immigration, etc. But there's one segment that's probably still ready for more smart card involvement, which is around our faithful credit and debit cards. You know, the, the whole world, apart from America and a few poor African nations, has moved to uh, chip and pin uh, for EMV-based technology. We still have a vacuum here in the United States where we're still relying on magnetic stripe technology for our credit and debit cards. That is, is in, its, in itself an attraction for all the counterfeiters and fraudsters and identity thieves to gravitate towards the United States because they realize it's the weakest link now and the richest economy. On that basis, we really deserve, I think, to review what we're doing in the form of our financial industry in strengthening and beefing up the electronic authentication technology, which is widely available and proven around the world, and perhaps deploy a similar version of that in the United States. Yeah, I, I can't imagine where it's a matter only a matter of time before EMV comes to the U.S. It's just with every with just about every other country in the in the world doing it. It just seems like it's going to have to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable. It may not be in the same form. But I think it will certainly have a, a very good effect on the efficiencies of transactions. It will raise the um, bar against uh, simple copying and, uh, and uh, fraud that, that goes on today. And I think Americans would, would demand it if they, um, if they really understood that this will protect their card. They are in control of it. They present their PIN. The chip will do the authentication. I think many of them um, would be happy to have that today. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, Neville, I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today um, on the latest edition of the Guardian ID podcast.